Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. And amen. Well, I want to get into this this morning. Thank you, Ken. If you keep it going there, we're just going to keep on flowing. But I want to get into this this morning. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, I, I just, I want to look at a passage briefly, and I want to uh, extract a few thoughts that the Lord had put on my heart in this passage as we are uh, in this second week talking about prayer and fasting, but more particularly within that, having a hunger for more. And uh, as we turn our attention to Genesis chapter 25, I'm going to be reading verses 29 through 34, 29 through 34. Um, but before I get into that, I want to talk for a second about the, 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 the word hunger. Because the, the, the word hunger is a strong desire or craving. It's a strong desire or craving. Has anybody had a strong desire or craving over, over this fast, these, these, these last two weeks? I, 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 let me tell you. And, and, it's, and it's amazing because your desires will change depending on the atmosphere you surround yourself with. And so last night, um, uh, we, we as a family, my wife and I, we took our kids and we were at Whole Foods and we went to go pick up uh, some, some juice. Uh, and, and because on this liquid fast, we're, we're allowing ourselves to keep some level of nutrients in us. And, and so we were getting juice, but while, while we were kind of coasting down the aisle, my attention slowly turned towards all the chips. And I thought to myself, man... Didn't know I wanted potato chips so bad. And we kept breezing on by, and we got down to a couple more aisles, and, uh, and I looked over, and, uh, and I saw the baked goods. I thought to myself, man, I could really go for some fresh baked cookies right now. My desire, I had a craving. And then before we left, I turned to my wife and said, is it me, or, or are you in the mood for, like, seafood pasta right now? Because we, we passed the prepared goods. And she said, ew, I, I don't like seafood pasta. I said, me neither, but it just, it just, it, look, it looks so good, didn't it? I had a strong craving. I had a strong desire. But that's what it is. Hunger is a strong desire or craving. But catch this, starvation is a suffering that can lead to death from not eating or from allowing yourself to remain in a state of hunger. And I want to say this because while it's important that we have a hunger for God, the scripture that we just read was, have a hunger for him, but he will fill you. So we need to have a hungry, uh, 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 we need to have hunger for the things of God, but in our hunger, God will fill you. We're not to just stay in a constant state of just being hungry all the time. God wants to fill us up. But there's a difference between hunger and starvation. And if you're not careful, if you remain in a place of hunger for too long, then you'll never experience the things that God wants to fill you up with. And it's important on this fast, while we have a craving and a desire and a hunger for the things of God, it's with the expectation that he's going to fill us up with great things, with awesome things, that there's going to be breaking in our, in, in, in our favor, that there's going to be breakthrough in, in, in the things that we're believing for, that prayers are going to be answered, and that we're going to see that God's going to do greater this year in every area of our life because God wants to fill you up with good things. 
Tell somebody next to you good things. And so it, it, it's important to understand that hunger, it's the strong desire. In fact, you know that feeling that you get where your stomach is, is, is growling? It's this hormone that's called ghrelin. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that before, ghrelin. Ghrelin's the hunger hormone that's in your stomach that when you're not putting anything in there, it starts moving around a little bit. You start feeling some stomach gymnastics take place. And you want to settle them stomach gymnastics down. You want to you you fill that craving, that desire with, with, with something that's going to make you feel good. But when you have a hunger for God, he's going to fill you with good things, with great things. And so, 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 so it's important to understand that hunger is a good thing. But the question is, what are we hungering for? What are you hungering for this year? If you're taking any notes, if you're writing anything down, put that with a question mark. What am I hungering for? What am I hungering for this year? And our Bible, what we just read is when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will begin to fill us. When, in other words, when, when I hunger, what's righteousness? My ability to be in right standing with God. In other words, I'm not allowing anything to separate me from God. I'm in right standing. And when I hunger and thirst for righteousness and I'm in right standing with God, I'm closing the gap of the things that are getting between me and God. And this year, there's some gaps that you're going to need to seal up, that you're going to need to close up. There's some things that try to separate you from getting closer to God. There's some, there's some people that you might need to reevaluate in your life. There's some habits that you might need to revisit. There's some things that you might need to change so that you can get closer to God. Because when I'm in right standing with God, God will fill me with godly things. And so... Hunger, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but what are you hungering for? And do you have a hunger for more of that thing? And so in Genesis chapter 25, the story that we find here, it says this. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew. Why is there always somebody cooking something? And it says this, that Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got the other name Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as firstborn son. The original text says, sell me your rights. Sell me your rights as firstborn son. Verse 32, look, I'm dying of starvation I always think that's funny. Anybody that's, that, that starts to get them hunger pains, you go in and say, I'm dying of starvation. You're not dying of starvation. In fact, by the way, true starvation doesn't kick in until you've hungered for more than 40 days. Because starvation is the act of your body eating itself, and your body doesn't start to eat itself until after 40 days of fasting. Or 40 days of going without food. And here's this guy who came in from a long day, of work, and he says, I am dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath thereby selling all his rights, selling all his rights, selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew 
Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed content for his rights as the firstborn. The word content means that he looked at his birthright and he considered it to be worthless. He showed content. He, he saw his birthright as being worthless. And in fact, his birthright was the most powerful thing that he possessed. His birthright was the thing that represented his purpose and his destiny and his future. The birthright that was bestowed on the firstborn meant that when the time came and the father stepped aside or the father passed away, that the firstborn son inherited everything. He had all authority over the family name. He had all spiritual blessing. He had all earthly blessing. He was the one that carried the keys to the future of his family's name. And he looked at that and he considered it worthless because he was hungry. Hungry for the things of the natural. And in a moment he said, I consider this worthless. I'm willing to give it up so that I can satisfy a natural hunger, a natural desire. And any time you're hungering for natural things and earthly things, you will forfeit and give up the blessings of what God wants to do in your life. Satan knew this. That's why Satan came in, and we talked about it last week, but he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden with fruit that they were never supposed to touch. He got their eyes on what they didn't have, and they stopped focusing on what they did have, and their desires went to a place that they felt was void in their life, and they took hold of something they should have never touched, therefore they forfeited their authority. This story picks up in the book of Luke chapter 4, when Jesus goes on his 40-day fast. You can read this on your own time, but verses 1 through 14 in the book of Luke chapter 4 says that in verse 1, Jesus went into the wilderness full of the Spirit. He was praying, he was fasting, but he was tempted by the enemy. But because he did not forfeit his rights as the firstborn... In creation, now we know him to be the second Adam, but he is the son of God. As the firstborn of God, he comes in and he says, I am not going to relinquish who I am, what I stand for, my standard, my authority, my power for a moment because I'm hungry. And the Bible noted that Jesus was hungry. I mean, you know, even though Jesus was the son of God, even though he was perfect, he was still hungry. And so we find him in the wilderness and the enemy tries to get him to forfeit what he has for a moment. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to get you to forfeit what you have based upon a moment. But if I heard the word of the Lord correctly, we cannot be distracted by moments. We need to get in position for a movement because it's when the people of God that are moving with the power of God, that's when we begin to see a greater glory released in and upon this house, and our families, and our community, and our life. I don't want the moment. I want a movement that I see God moving in every area of my life. And so Jesus, he's in this wilderness. We read here, Esau arrived home from the wilderness. Everybody in life has a wilderness that you go to. 
Where is your wilderness or what is your wilderness? Because everyone has one. Everyone has a place that every day when you leave your home, you're stepping foot into a place that will exhaust you and that will leave you hungry. Whether it be on the job, because I've worked all day, and it was taxing and it took a toll on me and my efforts that I put forth, everybody has a wilderness. My children are my wilderness. They leave me exhausted and hungry. Especially now, because we are feeding them amazing food and we can't touch it. I tried to tell myself last night that one lick of sour cream will not compromise this fast. My daughter learned something new last night. I didn't have the sour cream, by the way. It was on my knuckle, though. And I wanted to be like, no! And that dollop flew across the kitchen. And then I had to clean it up. No, why am I so why? So good. It's funny, last night, my daughter, she was like, Daddy, I need more sour cream. I need more sour cream. And I was like, I'll hook you up with sour cream. And so Pastor Aaron, my wife, she walks into the kitchen. And my little girl goes, Mommy, Daddy's going to hook me up with sour cream. <laughs> hook me up, Daddy. Hook me up. <laughs> but everybody has a wilderness that you go to. Listen, you're stepping into this year. Everybody has a wilderness and a place that's going to try to exhaust you. And that's going to try and get you to shift your hunger from godly things to worldly things. The Bible said that he was exhausted and he was hungry. I know that some of you are probably exhausted because you have been in this wilderness hoping and believing that you're going to see a new job or a job promotion and it hasn't happened and you're hungry so you're willing just to settle to stay in this lowly place. No, you got to change your mindset. Don't allow your mind to settle because that's what happened with Esau is that he was willing to settle for the stew rather than to strive and succeed. He was willing to settle for a bowl of beans because that's what lentil stew is. It's a bowl of beans. He was willing to settle for a bowl of beans than strive for the blessing. And the enemy wants to get you to, 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 to just settle for a bowl of beans. I'm so exhausted. I just, if I could just have that husband... I'm hungry for relationship. That's some of us this year. If I could just get that wife, don't settle this year. God's got a godly man and woman for your life. Yeah, but I just need somebody tender on tender, please. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And here's the problem that happens. When you hunger for those things, you're going to lower your standard. You're going to consider the value that you have as worthless like Esau did. And you'll be willing to give up the greater blessing and the godly spouse that God has for you. Because a moment that you just wanted to be able to not feel hunger. I want to feel satisfied. He settled for a bowl of beans, church. That ain't nothing special. Y'all know what beans are. They're rich in fiber, but you know what they do, right? I'm just going to say it. He settled for a, for a bowl of farts. That's what he settled for. Are you really willing to settle for things that's going to make your life stink this year? I don't
want my life to stink. <laughs> Can I just get real with this? I don't want my future to be filled with farts. Oh, Jesus, help us this morning. Let the weight of your glory bring sovereignty and seriousness back into this service. But what I'm trying to get at is that everybody has a wilderness and you're going to be exhausted and hungry. But if you can allow yourself to be postured to hunger for the Lord and hunger for more of God, he will give you the desires of your heart this year. So don't lose focus, especially as we're going into the last week of this fast. And while this message, in a sense, has to deal with our praying and fasting, it really has to deal with our spiritual walk with the Lord this year. We need to hunger every day, every week, for the things of God. And it says that he came in and he was exhausted, he was hungry, and he said to Jacob, I'm starved, give me some of that red stew. Then the Bible says in verse 31, Jacob replied, but sell me. Let me tell you, this year, don't sell out on your standards for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This year, don't sell out on God because you're feeling in a moment of weakness, God, where are you? No, God is with you. God is for you. Just because you don't see it instantly doesn't mean that God's not working constantly. And there are some blessings that God wants to release into your life, but are you in position to contain it? Lest that blessing is not a blessing, it's a burden. And there's things that you've been believing for, but because you haven't postured your heart in your spiritual walk, in your life, to be consecrated before the Lord, God's not going to bless you with it. Because it will become a burden in your life, it will break your life, and then you'll look to God and you'll begin to blame God. But this year, if we can learn to live a life that's consecrated and holy and set apart before the Lord, I am not going to sell out. For the world, I will stand firm for the gospel. That's why Paul told Timothy, listen, Timothy, it's important for you to understand to stir up the faith that's inside of you. Don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind, right? We know that, Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. But what was Paul trying to encourage Timothy with? It's the fact that Timothy was a pastor in a church that was growing, but they wanted the doctrine to change. And so Paul comes back in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and he says, listen, you need to stand firm for the gospel because people are going to want you to change the doctrine. They're going to have itching ears. And if you don't provide it, what they're going to do is they're going to heap up people that's going to tell them what they want to hear. And I'm here to tell you that we have to draw a line as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are not just going to have messages that make us feel good. The gospel won't always make you feel good, but the gospel will lead you to experience every good and perfect thing that comes from the Father of lights. Fasting doesn't make me feel good, but it is a physical surrender that puts me in position for a spiritual release. Fasting isn't the first thing that I want to do, but I understand this, that if I can bring my body into subjection, if I can shut out the world and shut out the noise and get rid of the nonsense and get my life before the Lord, then I can experience the things that the Lord has for me. It is a posture, it is a stance, it is a consecration. We need the church to stop looking for things of convenience and start becoming a church of consecration. 
We want convenient things because it scratches the itch and it makes us feel good. Faith is not about a feeling. You don't wake up and say, I feel my faith today. Faith has come hell or high water, I will trust the Lord with all my heart. Faith is me putting my foot down on the ground that says, regardless of the all hell's breaking loose in a time of warfare, I will not give up, I will not give out, I will not give in, because I know that my God is for me. And that's the thing that's so important about this time as we're praying and we're fasting and saying, God, I need you to take ownership of my life. The Christian life as believers is not about us partnering with God. It's about God taking ownership. It's not partnership. It's ownership. And only until God has full ownership of my life can I partner to experience the things with heaven. Anybody ever watch that show, The Prophet, about the, the man that comes in and he works with businesses and investments? And he comes in and, 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 and when you see it, he's, he's partnering with these failing businesses in which... The, the, the investor has got the resources, the money, the tools to help change that, uh, that, that business environment so it can become successful. He partners with them, but he always says one phrase. Here's the deal. I have total ownership. I have total ownership. And they make a deal, and it's never 50-50. It's never 50. It's always 60-40, 70-30, 80-20. The ratio in which... The investor has the upper hand because he says, until I have full ownership, you're not going to be able to partner and see success come into your life. Until God has full ownership of your life, which means I have to consecrate my life before the Lord. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added Seek first the kingdom, not seek the kingdom first. You say, what's the difference? I can wake up in the morning and seek the kingdom first and then go throughout the rest of my day doing whatever I want. But that's not what the word said. It said, seek first the kingdom. In other words, in everything I put my hand to, my mind to, my heart to, the kingdom comes first. I'm going into it with the mind of God. Not I crossed off my list of my early morning prayer and that's all that I'm going to pray today. No, every day, Lord, I need you to renew my mind in the moments, in the minutes. It's not just the daily, it's every minute, Lord, let me have the mind of Christ when I'm out in the grocery store. Let me have the mind of Christ when I'm pitching that business deal. Let me have the mind of Christ when I'm at the gas station. Let me have the mind of Christ so when I'm encountering people, it's you on my heart, it's you on my mind, it's you moving through me. We're blessed to be a blessing. The spiritual blessings, the things that God wants to bless in your life in the natural. It's not for you to say, yes, I got everything that I wanted from God over 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's God saying, no, I've positioned you now to be a greater blessing, to be a testimony, and to reach your world with life. He sold out on his birthright is what the Bible says that Esau did. He ate the meal. He showed content for his rights as for he considered it worthless. The book of Hebrews says this in chapter 12, verse 16. He says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food sold his birthright, for you know that afterward, when 
when, when, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Esau prostituted his purpose and destiny for a moment at the table, and he compromised what God wanted to do in his temple. He was willing to sell it off and he found himself in such regret that when he begged to get it back, it was too late. God, let us not ever be a people that sells out on the gospel. Let us not ever be a people that sells out on Jesus. Let us not ever be a people that sells out on our Savior. Father, in everything, let us hunger for more and more and more of you. Why? Because when I sell out on God, there's going to come a time, as the Bible says, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm not going to be with the weepers, I'm going to be with the worshipers. I'm not going to live my life weeping out, I'm going to live my life worshiping in his presence. Because he's a good and faithful God. I want to give you just three quick things this morning about being able to have a, a hunger for more of God. The first thing is this, I want to share with you this morning. Is that we got to have a hunger to discover more of God. You got to have a hunger to discover more of God. You got to have a hunger to discover more of God. Don't dismiss the things that God wants you to discover. And it's easy when I've got a natural, earthly appetite for the things of this world that I will dismiss the very things that God wants me to discover. Esau dismissed his ability to discover how good God is and how good God would be in his life because he considered what he had as worthless. Don't dismiss what God wants you to discover. It's interesting because hunger will lead you to a place of desperation. Are we desperate for the things of God? Or are we more desperate for the things of the world? The lost son, he found himself with nothing, wasted everything that he had on riotous living. And here he is. So hungry that he partners with the world rather than getting back to the house of his father. And the Bible goes on in the book of Luke and says that he joined himself with a citizen of that country. And it says that when he went out to the fields where the pigs were fed and where the pigs were eating, that he even longed for what the pigs had to eat. And anytime you join yourself with the world, you're going to find yourself joined to the world, settling for whatever the world has to offer. And I'm not settling for what the world has to offer. I'm settling for what God has to offer. And God has great things that he's offering. He's made available to us miracles and healing and provision. He's made available protection and direction for your life. He's made available favor so that you can be successful on the job and in your households and with your children. And in every area of your life, God's made these things available. Don't allow yourself out of desperation to join yourself with what the world is saying is acceptable. Is what the world is saying, this will quench your thirst, this will satisfy your need. No, join yourself and allow the Lord to take ownership of your life so that you can experience everything that's in the Father's house this year. It's the difference between settling and striving. I can hunger and settle for whatever's convenient. Or I can strive and go after the greater things that God has. I've never seen food so convenient in my life these last two weeks. We were driving the other night. I'm just being real with you, man. I'm not over this fast. 
everything all of a sudden just looks really good. I mean, places that I wouldn't even walk into. I mean, I'm just, we're, we're driving down, and I'm like, man, I could go for a milkshake from Sonic right now. I've only been to Sonic one time, and I swore to myself I'd never go back again. It looked good. It's amazing how you can begin to settle. Your hunger can cause you to be so desperate that you'll settle. But I want to tell you, when you're hungering for the things of God, it'll cause you to strive. Let's be a church that strives for greater this year. Amen? The next thing is this. We need to be hungry to remain determined for the things of God. This is what I love so much about uh, us honoring Dr. Martin Luther King is that he was a man who was determined. He was a man that was hungry for equality, so he was determined to make sure that he could see this thing come to pass. There's something about determination. When you're determined, it, it, it puts you in a whole different phrase uh, of mind and, and, and heart. And I want to say this is that desire is the way that you start, but determination is the way that you will finish. Many of us have a desire to get into the things of God, a desire to get into 21 days of fasting, a desire to get into prayer, a desire to, to be a part of something, but determination will allow you to cross the finish line. Have you ever seen any athlete, especially as we're, as we're coming into the end of the football season right now, everyone's got a desire to get to, to, to the end goal to score the touchdown, but those that are determined are going to step across the line and they're going to get the win. Why? Because determination requires... Discipline. And dare I say that there's too many churches that have a desire for more of God, but we're not disciplining ourselves, so we're not seeing more of God. We have to discipline ourselves. Paul says this, I bring my body into subjection. I have to discipline it like an athlete. I've got to discipline myself. We have to, to, to be willing, as he says, to discipline your body, bring it into subjection. And I love this, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In other words, this, I have to humble myself and discipline myself to such capacity that after I've given everything, I won't give myself to anything. Because we can be so focused, so determined, striving to go after so many things that once we get there, it's easy to take the foot off the gas I'm not taking my foot off the gas. I'm disciplining myself and remaining and allowing myself to remain constant and consistent before the Lord. That even when this fasting is done, I'm not done because God's not done. And there's more to see God do. So we've got to be hungry and determined for God. It requires a discipline. The last thing that, that I put down this morning is this. you got to be hungry to develop in the things of God. Develop. We need to discover God, more of God. We need to be hungry to be determined for the things of God. And we got to be hungry to develop in the things of God. God's not coming back for a weak church, a weak bride. He's coming back for a healthy, strong church, which means we need to develop in the life that the Lord has made available to us. God wants us to be spiritually stronger 
so that we can be mentally, emotionally, and physically stronger. This is why we have our classes that are starting next month, our spiritual growth classes, so that you can develop in the things of God and be who God has called you to be on every level, not some level, not lower levels. We're going higher this year. On every level, God wants you to spiritually grow. And so our godly hunger should cause us to develop in the things of him. But watch this, the enemy will discourage the very thing that God wants to develop. It's amazing how Esau had this birthright, but in a, in a moment he considered it worthless. He discouraged what he had because he thought the moment was going to be better. There's always going to be something that's going to look convenient. There's always going to be something that's going to feel like it's going it, it, to satisfy you. But I caution us, church, let us not give in to quick temptations. The Bible says in the James book of uh, chapter 1, it says that there's going to be testing, temptings, and trials. But it's the trying of your faith that will produce patience. In other words, you'll get that endurance. You'll get that endurance. You'll get that this year. God's going to allow the church to get that second wind of endurance that we can keep running, we can keep moving, we can keep going higher and higher and higher because there's a greater glory that God wants us to experience. But he'll try to discourage the very thing that God wants to develop. By the way, God's going to develop you the most when you're in the secret place before him. Have you ever seen those old cameras? Uh, and they still do it now in some forms of photography. But you'll take the picture and the, and the, and the photo or the Polaroid will, 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 will come out of the camera. And they take it into a room. And they lay it into this process where there's, there's this, these films and this water. In and, and, and which what they're doing is they're developing the photo. But the photo is only developed in a dark room. Oftentimes it's in the dark place, and I'm not saying when you're in a dark, heavy place, but even in your dark moments, God can develop you. In David's heaviest moments, God developed him. In his darkest moment when he was in the cave, God developed him and mighty men around him for him to step out into success and victory. But what I want to focus on is this, the dark place, the secret place. When I get alone before the Lord, when I get up early in the morning, when I'm up late at night and I separate myself from all the noise and all the stuff, God will begin to develop who you are. He'll allow you to see more of him and who you are. Because at the end of the day, God wants you to see that you are in his image. You are in his likeness. That you are called to walk in blessing and to be greater. Be hungry to see God develop you in the things of him. I want to close just with this, 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 this last thought this morning. Because here's what's so important. When I am willing to discover God, when I'm willing to be determined, when I'm willing to develop, it puts me in place now with godly hunger that will lead me to godly outcomes. Godly hunger will lead you to godly outcomes. When I make God a priority, he makes me a priority. When I make God a priority, he will make me a priority. Again, Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Somebody say, all these things. When I make God a priority, he makes me a priority. When I'm seeking him first, then he adds everything that he has to my life. Godly hunger will lead to godly outcomes. Psalms 34 says this. It says, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. When I'm seeking the Lord. In other words, hunger causes me to seek. It causes me to seek out. 
And when I'm hungering for the things of God and I'm seeking after the things of God, it's going to lead me to a place where I will not lack any good thing. God's got good things for your life, church, this year. He's got great things for your life this year. And I just simply came to charge you this morning. Don't stop hungering for the things of God. Don't stop discovering more of God. Don't stop being determined for the things of God. Don't stop developing in the things of God. God wants greater for your life. But my question is, do you want greater for your life this year? Because it comes when you seek him first. Last story I want to read to you out of the Bible, and it's short. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. The Bible notes of this young man that became king at the age of 16. His name was Uzziah. And Uzziah came after his father, who was a godly man, who loved the Lord, who walked in blessing, and who was an incredible king. But Uzziah had a deep reverence, the Bible notes, a deep reverence for the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles, it says this, that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord as a king. To all that his father Amaziah had done, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions. And watch this. It says this right here. Verses 4 and 5 says this. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. When you seek the Lord, God makes you to prosper. God will make you to prosper. The Bible continues to go on in this chapter as to how Uzziah prospered. It said that he built wells that he had never built. He took possession of lands that he never had. He built cities and kingdoms that never existed. He was wealthy agriculturally. He planted vineyards. He had businesses. He was the king. He ruled over all. Why does he need all of these side hustles going on? Because whatever the desire that was in his heart, he was made to prosper in it because God was with him. Because he put the Lord first. And so he prospered in everything. So much so, I love this. His army was so strong that the Bible says that he went and made war with the Philistines. It wasn't that he was a threat and the enemies came together and said, uh-oh, we need to pull together and shut down this king Uzziah. He was so strong that nobody opposed him, but he said, you don't serve God, so I'm going to take you out anyways. I'm so prosperous, I'm so strong, you don't stand for God, so you're not going to stand in my way. In other words, when you put God first as a standard, in every area of your life, a new standard will begin to be raised up. And it's time as a church we raise a standard. It's time as a church everywhere that we go. Now when I say making war, I'm not saying going around fighting with, with our brothers and our sisters and people around us. But what it is, is it's us saying that we have got a standard that the kingdom of God, it will advance in this earth. And we're not going to allow anything to oppose the word of the Lord. We're not going to allow anything to oppose who God has called us to be. We will live consecrated. We will live godly. We will live holy. We will be prosperous. We will be blessed because we put God first. 
I want to share this story. Uh, the other day, Mike and I, uh, Cardona, we, we, we were having juice because we're on our fast. Mike reminded me about this uh, conversation we had, or it came up in our conversation. And um, unfortunately, it's on behalf of your amazing wife. Um, but I'm just going to share because this is so cool. Man, this moved my heart so much. And he said that sometime back you guys were, were driving and you saw that there was this abortion clinic and it got you so nerved and rattled in your heart and your spirit that you said, we got to do something about it. we got to protest. we got to get people together. we got to shut this down. That's not right. It's not godly. We can't have this. And then Mike mentioned to me and he said that he turned to you and he said, you know what? God, make us so prosperous that we can buy the clinic, shut it down, and turn it into a church. And I got this, like, righteous, like, indignation upon me. I was like, Lord, make me so prosperous that the things that don't reflect you cannot stand. Make me so prosperous that I can shut down the agenda of the enemy because I am spiritually blessed. I'm financially blessed. My family is blessed. My church is blessed. My community is blessed. Every area of my life is blessed because when I'm willing to seek the Lord, He will make me prosper. I came to declare today, when you're willing to seek the Lord, He will make you to prosper in every area of your life. But it's when you're willing to seek Him. It's when you're willing to discover Him. It's when you're willing to be determined to go after Him. So this year, will you hunger and thirst for more of God? This year, will you make the decision and say, God, I need greater. I want greater. I desire greater. Because I'm willing to seek you. God, make me to prosper. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.